Hey, 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 y'all, welcome to another episode of The Great Overthinker with me, your host, Jazamar. So it's June, so happy Pride Month, y'all. We also have Juneteenth coming up this month and the official start of summer as well. Um, We are also crossing the official halfway point in our season or the first season of the show, so I'm excited for that as well. Um, We have someone on the show who is very dear to my heart. So much to say. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> There's someone who I always tell, like, you need to move to LA because they used to live in LA and now they don't live in LA anymore. But it's all good. Um, I also consider this person one of my best friends. And that's a big deal because um, I actually overthink the term best friend. Like mm. growing up, I always thought, like, you have to have one best friend. I'm like, I don't have one best friend. And then I moved mm. a lot. So I was like, I don't. I don't think I have a best friend, but now I'm, I'm like, okay, I have best friends. I don't have that many. Um, small little group, and you are one of them. So, uh, yes, big honor. welcome. I know, right? <laughs> big, <laughs> big welcome to Rashad. Hey, Rashad. Hey, what what's up? What's up? What's up? Yeah. What's good? Hey. How are you today? How was your your week? I'll say <sighs> my week. Hello. Um, <laughs> Child, you know I'm dramatic. Um, yeah. My week was no, it was a really good week though. Um, I think leading up till this week, I had been really stressed with managing a whole bunch of projects at once mm. um, at my job and feeling like nothing was actually getting done because I'm just like, oh, I'm doing seven things. I've been doing seven things all year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and. You know, I did, I just did a lot of meditation and intention setting this week around being okay with the process, you know, Um, and being able to um, trust my own instincts as to when it's time to move on to a new project. Um, So that's something that I kind of leaned into. There was also something that really interesting that happened because one of these projects, I don't I mean, I can get into it now. Like I'm a, a video journalist at um, the main newspaper in Philly, mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Inquirer. So I do a lot of like documentary storytelling for the website, for YouTube, um, short form, long form stuff, just like a whole variety. Um, and so it's like, man, like the projects that I'm talking about are like films, like short films, basically. Um, and one of them I'm you know, really excited about, about like, basically about black folks and legacy. Mm. Um, and how so much of who we are and what we do stems from like, you know, roots that we don't often necessarily divulge in public right like Mm -hmm. a lot of these things come from ancestors who came before us anyways this is one of the things that i'm working on and it was my idea my brainchild and i was really pushed this week to own up to the fact that i'm basically directing this project um and to be okay with leaning into being a you know kind of a leader in the way in that way in a new way um so I had to face a lot of insecurities and push past them and uh, challenge myself to do new things. And, if, and, I, and it feels good. 
Yo, that's cool. I'm excited. I didn't know you were working on that. I think, I think we've all been there. I mean, I don't know if that's imposter syndrome or, or syndrome. Or oh, not. it's that's a part not of it, sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know, I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from because you know, a lot of us know that we can do these things, but when we are like it's reality reality sometimes it it's like why well, i'm doing it this is wild can i do this mm-hmm. i don't know or what if mm-hmm. someone thinks that i'm not good enough or whatever that thing is so mm-hmm. <clears throat> i'm glad that you're kind of leaning into those things and you know circumstances calls call for like different things within us so sometimes you don't even know those things until you're just put into the situation so Ooh, that's so uh, true. I'm yeah. excited. I can't wait. You know, we'll You've been see, doing we'll some really see. cool things. So my week has been cool. I mean, I kind of feel like it's been really busy. I, I've done a lot of editing this week and some other personal projects. And then a lot of stuff at work has been like a lot of stuff going on. But I've also found a lot of rest in the week. It's really strange like as as busy as it's been i was able to take a nap i've been able to you know wake Mm -hmm. up a little bit later than i I usually would wake up but still do all the things that i needed to do so it's been a very like i don't know if balance is the word but like Mm. definitely had some points i'm like this is too much but then i'm like okay Mm -hmm. i'm taking a nap so Mm -hmm. it's it's been like that kind of week for me but I love yeah, that. I know. I mean, I rest is that. rest is radical. Rest is revolutionary. You know, it's like the thing that we're not really told is a part of the process. But um, when yeah. you don't make excuses for what your body needs to do and you just do it, like that, it feels like an accomplishment by itself, even though it's such a simple thing. That's what it is. It's like, right. yeah, I want to practice that more. But I think so many things make you feel like, you well, A, you can't do it. Or you, you'll put it off to a certain time. So like, oh, I'll mm. I'll get to chill out this weekend. Or, you know, in the morning, I'll, I'll, I look forward to my meditation. Whatever those things are. But sometimes it's just like, right now, I need to do whatever that thing is to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it felt because I just had a lot of moments of a lot going on. So um, before we get into the conversation, I got to ask, Are do you consider yourself an overthinker? Mm. I, you know, it's funny because I definitely did not prior to listening to your podcast. Um, <laughs> and now that I'm like more regularly thinking about the concept of overthinking, um there definitely are times where i yes i definitely do it um Mm -hmm. and i think the thing about it is that it happens unconsciously and so i'm not necessarily aware that my thoughts are going in circles and that i'm not necessarily making movement i think a lot of my overthinking stems from I just have a tendency to be indecisive at times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a Gemini thing. I think it might be like an air sign thing. Because a uh, yeah. child, all my signs are Gemini. <laughs> um, <laughs> like yeah. literally like all of them down there. Oh, wow. Um, 
so I think that's sometimes how it happens. But I've, I've like, I would say since I've been more mindful about that in the last few weeks, I've been able to cut myself off from it. Um, recognize when it's happening, recognize when I'm either not going to get an answer out of this scenario right now, or I can actually just find presence in this particular moment without overanalyzing it um, and process it later on the back end, right? To find clarity. Or I can simply make a decision and recognize that whatever decision I'm making, there will be effects, right? There will be consequences either way. And that it's not necessarily, should I do this? But it's an if-then scenario. Um, yeah. So that's those are some of the things that I'm thinking about now. But I don't know if I want to identify as an overthinker because then no. I feel like it's attached to me. Like, No, know. I get it. Yeah, and that... that that's the difference. I think there are people, at least when I ask on the show, some people may identify as it. And then some people are like, well, I do overthink. Um, also, I think it's funny that everyone that's been on the show so far has said that they have, except for Clay. But um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not looking for people like, okay, if you're an overthinker, come on the show and we can talk. About no, it's just like, you know, we have other things to talk about. And if you are, you are. If you aren't, that's fine too. But I think it's mm -hmm. just funny to to hear how people process things and how they how overthinking is 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 normalized because there's nothing wrong with it per se but again mm -hmm. it can get to a point for some people where it's debilitating and you're not moving forward and i like what you said about um like turning it off i'm like oh, i don't know how to do that but like just like <laughs> i'm not I'm not thinking about anything right now until mm. later. So I think that's cool too, because some some people usually just keep thinking until they have to make that decision or they don't make a decision, so it just lives in their mind. But the ability the ability to like, I'm just not gonna think about this thing because I don't need to, and I'll come back mm. to it. And if I need to overthink a little bit, cool. But that's an interesting um, approach that um, I feel like I need to figure out how to use that in my life. So I also forgot, I, I kind of skipped one part, but <laughs> I mm -hmm. want to get into um, who is Rashad. So let us know, you know, what you want us to know about you. Okay. So um, Rashad, Rashad is, so I, I grew up, I actually spent a lot of time bouncing around from city to city and like lived in like, I think six different homes before I was 10, just following my mom through her like career cycle. So I was born actually in North Carolina, which a lot of people don't know, um, in Charlotte. And we moved around a lot. So it was North Carolina to Delaware, to Tennessee, to Delaware, back to North Carolina, back to Delaware. Um, and stayed there from like fourth grade until, you know, I graduated high school. Um, and so I guess when people ask me where I'm from, it's kind of difficult to answer because even Delaware doesn't feel like home, right? It's more home is like, where the heart is, wherever you are. That's home. <laughs> home is home is a deep philosophical concept. <laughs> right. Look, I'm about um, to say we can go there. Listen, we can have a whole chapter on home. <laughs> We're gonna talk about that. Um. Right. 
But I feel like home for me is more so, I would say, Georgia um, and Florida. Georgia is where my my mother's family is rooted. Florida is where my father's family is rooted. Mm. And I think even though I'm like one of the urbanites, you know, of the family in a lot of ways, like I'm the, I'm, it feels like a little bit separate and removed. Um, my, I'm just, I'm finding more and more links back there every day, you know? Um, gotcha. What else? Yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's such a wide question, right? Because mm-hmm. I think when you ask that question, it's like usually it's, oh well, I am, uh, you know, this is what I do. This is where I yeah, work. You, I, yeah, yeah. I was is... talking about that with somebody, and mm-hmm. I was like, that's why I like leaving it open because like mm-hmm. we aren't necessarily our occupation, or, like what we do. We're not. I mean, we're just a lot of different things. So. Whatever you yeah. identify the most with or what, whatever comes up for you is is kind of who you are. And that can be changing, you know, like tomorrow you'll be like, OK, I'm a videographer and I, I, I'm i an editor. And the next day you can say, well, I'm a child or whatever you mm. want to say. But, um, you know, those things, you know, however you want to answer it, don't feel, you know, pressured. That could be I it. Or if you want to say more, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I was going to say, I love when people start off bios and they say, you know, XYZ, XYZ is a father, son, cousin, best friend, (laughs) lover. Right. Um, (laughs) Look, you can be it all. You can be it all. Um, Um, Yeah. I think what I really want to say about me is that I am just, I'm fluid, you know, I'm... I'm a, a soft person, ultimately. Um, I really care about stories being told in ways that allow us to feel each other. Um, and I, f- I think in some ways I'm kind of a message bearer uh, as a storyteller. Um and that I'm, um, you know, that'll probably manifest in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, I am a black person, and um, yeah, that's I guess what I'm gonna say. I'm with it. I love it. Yeah. I, um, Thank you for asking that question. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one of the most exciting things about, you know, even asking this questions and, and whatever the person says, usually it comes from a space that evolves, you know? So I think, mm. you know, what you were talking about as far as being, you know, a storyteller and be, storytelling being very important to you, like, who knows what the hell that's going to look like? Like, mm-hmm. it has so many different facets that, it's all available to you, you know, depending on what direction you feel led to go in. So that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's really cool to see. So I've, I've seen it evolve from where it was and it's still evolving. So that's, that's cool. So yeah, you're an evolving being. <laughs> yes. Constantly evolving, constantly changing. Yeah. I hear you. <sighs> so are you ready for this overthought? Cause it's 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 a 
It's a deep one. <laughs> right. So let's get into it. Right. So in today's overthought, we're going to be talking about black masculinity and implied gender roles. And oh, how much I know about this, you know, and um, Rashad as well. And, you know, I like to always preface things with, you know, none of us claim to be experts in any capacity. Um, I'm an expert on my life. Like I know what life I've lived and what um, experiences I've had. So, you know, we're just sharing our experiences and, um, you know, things like that. But I want to specifically talk about um, masculinity in the Black community and implied gender roles in the Black community because, um, A, that's the, the community we, we come from. But also, mm-hmm. I think um, it's, it's different for Black people. And it's not saying mm-hmm. other people don't experience problems with masculinity and toxic masculinity in general. For sure. But I think when you start to break it down to our community, it shows up in a very specific way. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. So, you know, when you hear that title or those words, what kind of comes to you, to your mind? Mm-hmm. Clear well, out I the think throat. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Clear it out. <laughs> I think it's kind of, I mean, I think it's interesting that you added implied gender roles mm-hmm. to the masculinity question. Um, hmm, there's so much to say. I think, you know, it's funny because masculinity has been a, it's, it's, where do I even want to start with this? I think for me, I've always had a certain kind of contention with the expectations that come with being a, you know, a a male assigned black person in this world. And like that goes back to really, really early moments in childhood um, where I was honestly a very kind of like effeminate child and wanted to play with certain things. I wasn't really out here trying to play with like NASCAR or like racing cars or, I mean, actually I did do some of that, but I was more so trying to be with like my Mulan doll, you know, I was very much trying to put the mop on my head outside because I wanted to have some hang time with my hair flopping flop, <laughs> yes, around. Yes, hang time, right? Hello. <laughs> I had a sheet. <laughs> I had more hang time. You got to okay. know what, what prop you're going to use. A sheet is the best it's... one. <laughs> oh, wow. Honestly, yeah. and let's get into it because I really think <laughs> if we're being honest, that is the only reason why do-rags are as popular as they are. <laughs> For hang time, Yes. For the hang Some time. of them be because if we were doing, if we were doing anything else, it would be a different story. We're not out here with wave caps, <laughs> right? Like you have to do that for a reason. So I love it. You know, so true. I was so that was true. that was me. That was me. Like I remember mm-hmm. coming home one day with like painted nails. Right, hot pink was my favorite color mm-hmm. in kindergarten, and this was before we had the language to describe something as being gay. 
Um, this was like, oh, that's what girls do, you know? And I was like, I don't care. I like hot pink, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and I was punished. I, I was punished for that. Um, and, you know, there were certain things where I remember like certain dolls suddenly not being around anymore. Oh, um, wow. And I'm like, oh, but that was my favorite doll. I love that doll, you know? Um, I remember Tweety Bird being like my obsession up until the moment that I found out that Tweety Bird is actually a boy. Mm, yeah. Tweety Bird is a boy. <laughs> Tweety Bird is a male bird. Yeah. And that is very strange to me. And I had to realize, looking back on it, that it's not even necessarily that I that I needed Tweety Bird to be like a girl. Um, I just needed to have a non-conforming like friend. <laughs> yeah. Like I needed to have something that you know um, didn't have that sort of assignment to it. I didn't. I. It was like this. The moment that I realized that there was this assignment to this, like you know, my to my favorite toy, um, was the moment that it suddenly felt cagey. Like it suddenly felt very, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, it didn't feel, it's so interesting thinking back to that moment. Cause I, I don't think I ever really realized why I had to like discard like all of my Tweety Bird toys instantly. But yeah, it was yeah. something about that like assignment that didn't work for me. Hmm. Um, and growing up right into and i don't want to just like lay out my whole life story as (laughs) nothing but like trauma you know from like masculinity well i think it's it's so much more complex but i must say i think those things i love you know talking about people's first experiences with whatever topic it is because that is Mm usually like where everything stems from so you know your experience is very much close to a lot of uh queer men in general but just people in general you know their experiences when you're you're having these assignments to certain things and you know you've already you have some type of attachment to it that has nothing to do with sex gender any of those things like i just like this thing and then because of what you have been categorized as and what that thing has been categorized as for some reason they don't mix so adults mm-hmm. or parents whoever split and then the child is left like what is happening because my feelings are still the same you have not explained to me anything and what you're explaining mm-hmm. if you decide to doesn't make any sense so what? what what's happening so i think you telling that story or at least the the your first, you know, counts of, you know, understanding black masculinity and gender roles and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have that experience in different ways, but definitely mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's really interesting hearing the stories of, of people who all have this kind of different relationship to it um, and who find Diff- and, and basically who who like what happens then you know like yeah. 
we all kind of like come into a certain assignment or like expectation around the gender performance of masculinity. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I do think that's something that everyone experiences in some way, but mm-hmm. it's interesting seeing like the different manifestations of what folks will then do with it. Right. Like, do you yes. lean into it? Is it something that benefits you? Like, do you find community within it in a way that feels genuine, feels supportive, right? Um, Are you on, like, a constant search for community that doesn't, right? Like, Mm -hmm. doesn't seek to... um, I want to say, like, a community that doesn't seek to label you or assign you or to play or to put expectations on you based on your 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 appearance um or do you just like discard it altogether like there are so many different routes and ways to go depending on your own just i guess sensibilities and who you encounter right yeah well that's what Um, i was gonna say i think it depends on like when we talk about these things a lot of times, like, say, for instance, someone is like, oh, I knew I was gay since I was four. And I was, uh, some may have language for that, too. But you got to think, too, that that those things are just one part of us. Like, we are multi-layered type of people. So for me, you know, that same scenario when you're like, you know, I came to a group and my, my, my nails were painted and I was like, well, I like these, you know, at a super young age for myself, I remember, um, liking to braid hair. Um, mm. I still like to braid hair. I don't know how to do cornrows, but I'll do it individual. Um, and I'm not that good at it, but I like it. But anyway, I remember doing that to, um, a doll and somehow in my mind, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. And I remember someone saying, I don't remember hiding it, but I remember someone saying like, oh, we found this doll with their hair like this. Uh, who did this? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? But like, mm. there's there was something in me outside of these other things that made me aware that that was somehow wrong um, or I felt some kind of shame about it. And then that carried on into, into adolescence and, you know, all these steps that would lead me to hide who I was and not really fully come out until damn near, damn near like late twenties, early thirties, you know, but for some Mm -hmm. other people, they can have that same experience, but because of who they are and, you know, if they could be an um, a outspoken person, which I wasn't really at that time, where it's like, well, this is who I am. I'm going to keep being who I am and I'm going to keep, you know, whatever that looks like, To you know, they may come out early, they, those types of things. So I think it's those other things that helps us decide or has a play a factor in what we do when we may first encounter those things, because I think by that point where we realize those things, where we're we're having likes and dislikes and uh, those types of things, so much has already been put in us to shape who we were, I guess, and 
who people want us to be as far as even the implied gender part uh, or implied roles in general in general so I think that's another part like what happened at one I don't remember what happened at two I don't remember but a whole lot of shit that probably impacted how I felt at five when this thing came to, to me you know so I think there's so many pieces of that puzzle that we just don't know because we don't know exactly what was imparted in us and us being individuals. We don't know exactly how we may have received it at those young ages or developmental, you know, ages. So yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes, and that makes me think about so much because I think for a long time, I spent a lot of time thinking about what, who I could have been had I not gone down this path, had I not been socialized into madness, who yeah. could I have been, right? And I would look at folks with different gender presentations and even gender identities as me. I would look at, um, you know, transmasculine, transfeminine folks. I would look at, you know, a lot of folks who were just like, just bending, you know, my mind around what gender could even look like. And I would think, could this have been me? Could I have been this mm-hmm. bold, right? To, 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 to walk around this world with a sense of um, ownership of how I wanted to present myself, right? Could I have been that bold? And would I identify, right, as the, the, how I identify now? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is something that also you talk about like constant change, like that's something that's really evolving as well. you know, I think I had a, I always had a certain kind of admiration for particularly for Black trans women because, because of that question. And be, and, I, and, and admiration, I want to say more so like connection mm-hmm. um, because of that question. And I think for me, it's not even something that is necessarily generative like it doesn't help me to just stay there that's where like i think some of the overthinking might kind of kick in right Mm -hmm. what would have happened if i would have spent you know these years with my father instead of living you know in a single mother um or single parent household with my mother how would that have affected my gender um identity moving forward or like all, all these questions, I think what's more important for me now is I am actually learning how to strip away these different identity markers and listen to what I feel, again, what I feel mm-hmm. in my body, right? which is a really, it can be a really deep spiritual experience to like mm-hmm. do meditation um, or 
whatever sort of like practice that you can do that takes you into like this internal almost like self like intimacy you know um i've had some really deep experiences where i've been able to almost hold and cradle myself um minus all of the identity things and almost provide like a placenta for my own spirit um and come out of that experience and then process it and say who did i touch right like who did i actually encounter in that moment was that did it feel like a masculine spirit did it feel like a feminine spirit did it feel like there was some sort of mixture of the two did it feel like a boy and maybe not a man um and for me that's been one of the most instructive ways for me to move forward in my you know conceptualization of my own identity outside of those yeah. ways that we were socialized yeah yo i feel like i'm almost like in listening to you i'm like meditating <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> like i'm definitely listening but i'm like oh wow I, i'm mm. feeling very zen right now but I think, you know, wow. <laughs> Thank you. What a right, right. Um, <laughs> but the the thing that I, I'm hearing you say, and I feel like I feel this way for myself, you know, the more we are tapping into our own selves and what is being called and required of us and actually leaning and leaning and leaning and leaning into that, also understanding mm-hmm is changing a lot of the labels and you know gender roles or whatever starts to fall off in the sense of even like i'm just a human (laughs) like i don't know what to tell you you know like you know as i exist not saying i mean i know that i i show up as a man i'm clear about that but it's not like in my mind i feel like i have to do certain things to play this role that is already made up. Mm. I just show up. I have an understanding how people perceive me and I may navigate sometimes with that, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm just here and I'm figuring it out. But I only feel that way because I've gotten to the point where I can strip away those things that were put on me that says you need to operate this way jazz as a man. Like, well, I don't really yeah. do that. I just want to, yeah do these things. And if I want to, you know, so interesting, like how, you know, growing up, I never really had a desire to paint my nails. And I remember I did it maybe two months ago, three months ago, something like that. Like I bought the nail polish and I was like, "Hmm." because Clay did it one time. So that just put it in my mind. He did it like a year ago. Um, I was like, oh, that's different. I never really thought about doing that. It never crossed my mind. And then I bought it, bought the polish, and then I painted my nail. I did one nail. I was like, hmm. And I think I did two. And I was looking at my hand and like, I didn't even recognize my hand. I was like, wow, this is interesting Mm. that something so simple that is tied to a gender 
that I was maybe playing that role for so long, not knowing. But also, this is cool. And then, you know, I got to the point where I'll do it if I want to. If I don't, then I don't. But, you know, do designs. It's also very, you know, artistic. You can do little fun stuff with it. And me being creative, I'm like, this is so cool. But it's just funny how even your mind dismisses or not dismisses. Your mind plays into these uh, implied gender roles, whether we know it or not. So as Mm. I'm navigating life, I'm figuring out what works for me. But also as I'm out in the world making sure that I am not um, holding people to these these same standards. And I think, you know, we were kind of talking about it too before, but like being part of the LGB, LGBTQIA plus community, sometimes people feel like you, you're supposed to know all these things or, you know, just because you're a, a queer mm-hmm. person that you won't, inflict some type of harm on someone else in the community unknowingly. No, that shit happens all the time. But you have to be aware of how those things exist for yourself in order to see it for other people. So I think, you know, when you talk about meditation and having these deep spiritual moments with yourself, yeah, it gives you your own identity, but it also allows you to kind of take that veil off of anyone else and just begin to see them as human, you know? To me, everyone is a, a they until they tell me that they're he. Not saying that I don't slip in into saying he, she, those types of things, but because my mind has changed as far as the idea of what uh, a he, she even means, uh, yeah. I'm more inclined to, you know, you know, what do you go by? Just, you know, that's like my first thing sometimes. But then sometimes it's clear, like, okay, you go by he, fine. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a mind shift and it really just starts with yourself and people have different ways that that look, looks like. So, you know, I'm still trying to make sure that I'm educating myself, um, reading, um, reading articles, um, listening to diff- different people's experience. Because I saw mm-hmm. a video on Instagram to I want to say today, and it was about um, a man who is intersex. And when I saw it, I saw it in someone else's story and, you know, I went to go see the full thing. But my first thing was like, I don't know if I've ever heard a conversation about intersex from someone who is intersex, you know, and then they were talking about their experience and, you know, they were, they were born with, with both uh, male and and female um, parts and uh, they were assigned female at birth and what their experience was during school, but him really owning who he was. So he he was like, I kind of feel like both. I don't really know. And, you know, at a point um, uh, they identify as male, but, uh, or as a man, but those types of things, like it's 2021 and I have not heard anyone talk about that. I'm like, okay, jazz. Now I'm like, I want to read more and I want to see more videos and things like that. So I I want to continue to push my ideas or or, or challenge the things I don't really know about, but I may assume I know about. Um, So, Mm -hmm. but it starts. Totally. You just dropped so many beautiful gems. Oh my gosh. Thank (laughs) you so much. Um, There's so much that, I want to say, I think the thing that I started to notice, I would hear 
some commentary on social media about um, really some backlash in terms of how intersex identities were being used in arguments as a way to kind of counter counter um, counter you know traditional notions of like biological sex right mm-hmm. like it's always that is always the go-to for folks to say that your understanding of sex as biology um, is inherently flawed because intersex people exist right mm-hmm. and hearing folks say that even the way that you're invoking my being my existence um in order to essentially win an argument is invalidating (laughs) um and that my experience is a lot more complex right um i think it goes back to what you're saying about listening to folks tell their own stories and about their own experiences because a lot of the assumptions that i've had as even as like a queer boy, you know, growing up um, about other queer people, I'm learning. I have to actually actively unlearn now. Um, yeah. And there have been times where I have, like, I, I I can admit, like, there have been times where I've unintentionally committed like microaggressions against other gender nonconforming people because I did not know, I did not understand. Um. And so I think that really is a constant process. Um, And what I appreciate now is that, you know, we're beyond the Caitlyn Jenner era era Mm -hmm. where we think that transness must look like one particular thing or that it even needs to mean that one has transitioned, that there needs to be a before and an after right or like there needs to be some visible change that one can like offer up as proof for them to be valid as trans and so now from my own experience i'm actually a lot more agnostic about who about whether or not i would fit my gender into the umbrella of transness as a gender non-conforming um, or gender queer person um because there are a lot of thoughts on that on whether or not it fits within the umbrella right if transness is a thing that exists outside of cisness does that mean that all of these identities outside of cisness are also trans or are they separate like a lot of people have different thoughts on this it's a constantly evolving conversation um a lot of this is really fluid and this is why I, I really appreciate that, you know, we started this conversation by saying like, we are not, you know, experts in this field, right? But we're here to kind of talk about our own experiences because that's all that you really can do and listen and respect. Um, the other thing that you mentioned about your nails, I was really intrigued by this because I'm really <laughs> curious, like, what was your... Uh, what was in that moment that you looked down? I don't know. Did you look down or did you see yourself in the mirror? I looked I looked at them. 
took down. Right. Well, that, I mean, that makes sense because that's the <laughs> first thing you're going to do. Um, but in that moment that you, yeah, looked at your hand and you recognized like, oh, this is different. Mm-hmm. Did you immediately think that, like, what was the first kind of thing that kind of popped up into your mind or even like downloaded into your body? Like, was it you thinking like, oh, this is like, there's something feminine about this that I really like that I hadn't explored or was it something else entirely? No, that's, so it's a lot of stuff that happened very quickly, but that was probably the first thing. Cause like for those uh, who paint their nails, there's a a therapeutic element to it. Um, So in painting it, I mean, cause also I, 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 I draw on things like that. So it felt very therapeutic to do like the actual act. And then Mm -hmm. when I'm done, I'm like, Oh, I I like this. Um, And it felt like my hand felt like a feminine hand. Now I have big Mm -hmm. hands. Like I don't have like a, a super like, you know, thin whatever kind of hand. So, you know, it's very much my hand, but it just <laughs> they, are. <laughs> they are. I was like, I want to, I want to paint the picture that I have, you know. But my my hands are my hands, but they just looked like, oh, those are like feminine hands, and not mm-hmm. attaching a, a gender per se to it. It's just like those are feminine hands, and um, I don't know if I've ever saw myself in that way. Or I never really embraced mm. that part. So if we're talking about um, even hair, you know, some, you know, I used to have hair in high school yeah. too, and I cut it off. And, like part of me secretly, when I grew my hair, I was like, oh my gosh, I actually have hang time now. I can like actually do things with it, but I wouldn't embrace it. And I'm like, okay, let's get braided up, and now you're back to being a man, you know. So this was the first time I really felt I was embracing an aspect of femininity and enjoying it, you know, and then you go into the overthinking Mm -hmm. as far as like, Ooh, what are people going to think? And, um, and not in the sense of like, I was scared, but that was, that would be the initial thought I would think if I did this, like in high school, given my Mm -hmm. background. So I would do something. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what people are going to say, but it was like an, an immediate, well, I don't care. <laughs> like this is what I want to do. I even remember being in Zoom calls and I didn't realize I'm I'm pretty animated when I talk, so sometimes my hands are flying and then I'll see because it was black and white. I would see like the flash of my nail as I'm talking and it'll remind mm. me, "Oh, you have your nail painted." <laughs> and then, you know, uh-huh. so I was pretty aware of it because it was something different and new for me. Um, but yeah, it was just like, "Wow, this is this is such an interesting experience that I'm glad I'm having at at that time I was 34 but you know yeah that's kind of like what I felt a lot of different things oh yeah that's such a beautiful story and I think like it really makes me think about that moment you said a lot happened really fast like it makes me think about the moments where we it's like these like it's like these little like moments that are just like sprinkled around here and there they don't always happen right but like they're like these moments in time where 
we don't have like an immediate like I want to say trigger or like an immediate like you know association to a thing that we've been taught so it's like in that instant you like look down and there's something new and novel about what you're seeing about your own body your own expression and it's like you're getting like there's like a sense of like electricity that you kind of feel and like a sense of mystery to it you know um that like you know for me i've just been doing a lot of thinking around like when we talk about masculinity or femininity what are we actually talking about Think, um, yeah, I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't like, like, before you went on, I was like, well, I don't want people to think that I think painting your nails is right. per se like a feminine thing. It's just a thing mm-hmm. that is attached to femininity, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's really was the ultimate thing. It's like, this is something I want to do. I don't feel like, oh, I'm a fem-. Like, I don't, I don't feel any different per se i feel the same but i feel like i am Mm -hmm. tapping into something that is associated with something that typically growing up i would try to disassociate myself from so it's again pretty Mm -hmm. layered but i i don't want it to be like i think you know if you're if you want to be feminine you gotta paint your nails i know i don't think that (laughs) at all yeah but i'm really interested in like the difference between experiencing a thing and like then having to go into the like kind of like dual i don't know it's like a double consciousness that happens because like in that same instant or like an instant after is when you start to think about how it's perceived to others by others you know and like that's something that for me is a constant like that's something that i'm doing a lot of healing around um is like how, as I'm learning how to come into my own expression after being policed in so many different ways, whether it's by family, whether it's by work and job expectations, whether it's by like, you know, actually trying to be safe and exist in America as a black person, um, all of these things force you to pro- to police your gender mm-hmm. um and i would say that black people are uniquely policed by gender in ways that yes other ethnic groups and races may not yeah experience um 100 and so like how can i how can i dig into that without then going the extra step and thinking about perception like mm-hmm. a lot of it's interesting because you know i used to have locks i actually Mm -hmm. so and the reason why i grew out my locks was because i had a long period of life where i had a caesar cut i had waves my whole life up until Mm -hmm. 20 um like 3 24 uh because it was not professional not to have waves right and and nor was it nor was it masculine not to have waves um mm-hmm. and 
I so I started to grow out my hair. This was around the time that I was working in TV. So I was an on-air TV reporter. And that meant that you needed to be presentable um, on air. And there were a lot of unspoken rules about what that meant. But you absorbed those rules all the same. So when you see everyone around you with like shaved, you know, especially black men with shaved like faces, you know, nobody has any facial hair unless you're like 50, 60, <laughs> unless you're a veteran in the game, like an anchor on the desk, yeah. then they may let you have a mustache or something. Right. But, and this has changed now, like you're seeing younger reporters with facial hair, but you know, in the like early 2010s, like that wasn't the case. This is a new thing. And so I really had to police myself then. And I was re- I was so ready after I left to break out of that mold. I was like, no, 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 no. I was angry, actually. I was like, mm-hmm. y'all have shaped me. Y'all have shaped me my entire life. And now I have to ask who I am because I never got to grow into who I wanted to be. And I'm not letting that happen anymore. So I'm leaving. And I'm starting from scratch and anything is possible. And I started growing out my shit. You know what I mean? I grew out my locks for like a couple of years and I was doing all sorts of hairstyles. And yes, I was getting like a lot of, you know, you know how family is when you show back up at the function or you show up at like (laughs) Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to comment. Everybody feels entitled. Um, But I didn't care. Like I was like, I'm going to put it in a bun. I'm going to look this way. I don't care. Um, yeah. And do you, do you feel that, mm. I don't mean to cut you off, but at, at mm. those times, did you feel, because this is part of the reason why I said implied gender roles, because I also mm-hmm. think within the gender role that you are supposed to be, so you're supposed to be a man, once something happens or you decide to show up another way, you take on another implied gender role. So in this case, would it be, you know, all right, Rashad has hair now that is feminine. So did you feel like you showed up in the world very different, um, at at least how people treated you um, now that you like have longer hair? Absolutely. That's such a great question. That's that's definitely what I noticed. I'll tell you this. I you I mean you pick up on little things you know what I mean like you gotta understand like and you know this like when you have locks you have a lot of different looks on a lot of different days yeah um there may be days where you know you haven't had a retwist in a good two months right. you know what I'm saying right. and <laughs> you know you just it just is what it is you show up to you know an appointment. Or, I mean, I remember I showed up at an event with actually another, you know, this was an older brother who also actually had locks. Um, And I remember that that day, my, my, I, uh, yeah, I don't think I had a request in a while. My locks were just like, I had them hanging down and they were just like in front of my face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I like, was like, swinging them back behind me like as yeah. extra as I wanted to right Makes and sense. I noticed how like <laughs> I was definitely getting stares that made it made me feel <sighs> I don't know it, it, it was like I was making him 
uncomfortable um, by the flamboyance of it all, even though we both had the same hairstyle. Wow. Um, and, you know, this was somebody who had, you know, his hair tied back. And, and so it was really interesting. But honestly, I didn't really notice this until after I cut my locks off. Mm. And I then shaved off the remaining afro. And I just went like very low cut. That's when I really noticed the difference. Wow. Because then I, and I started to note it. The difference though, was in how men would treat me in public. Black men would treat me in public spaces. I was getting a lot. So I was getting a lot more, um, I don't know if I want to say approval. It's more like folks were ready to get out of my way. There was like folks were very, if I was coming out of the grocery store and there was somebody who was like turning in, you know, with a cart or something Mm -hmm. and like we almost bumped into each other or it didn't even have to be like that dramatic. There would just be moments where folks would like apologize instantly, like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, brother. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, my bad, man. Oh, my bad, man. You know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things where I'm out in public and black men are going the extra step to show me that they see me and they wow. respect my space and that they, you know what I mean, respect me. Um and it would actually make me it's interesting. Because on one, I would feel multiple ways about it. It was a a very like complicated kind of feeling. Because like on one hand, I recognize that for what it is, and it makes me very deeply uncomfortable. Because to be honest, you don't know anything about me. The assumption that we are the same is actually an assumption, and like. I don't, why is, why does this feel so different than it felt before? Why does this feel so different? But then honestly, here's the thing, Jazz, like on the other hand, I actually leaned into it Mm -hmm. and it felt like this is something that I can get away with right now. (laughs) Like this is something that I can um, play with. It became almost like cosplay Mm. and I feel like in some ways the way that I dress, the way that I style myself, whether I decide to go with a low cut or grow my hair out into a fro, um, whether I put an earring or like a whether it's a stud or a hoop or a low hanging earring in my ear, whether it's one or two of them, right? Like all of these are little micro decisions that are ultimately for me for me they are actually a form of cosplay um because and i don't want to like minimize that like they're also obviously these are forms of expression but they're also like i'm doing this with the knowledge that this is going to affect (laughs) how I'm received and I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. And so it becomes almost like a social experiment and I'm just taking note and I'm observing. And one of the things that I was saying to, to a friend like, you know, earlier this week actually is that in the instant moment that somebody says 
a gendered term to me, whether that's what's up, man, or I mean, whatever the case it may be, I like split into multiple selves. (laughs) One of me (laughs) becomes, because it's like we, it's like, yeah, we're talking, but anytime there are two people talking, there are actually four, at least four people in the room, right? Mm. Because there's me talking to you, there's the person who you think I am talking Mm -hmm. to the person who I think you are. Mm -hmm. And all of these are ultimately projections. Yeah. And so when you you talking to yourself and them talking to themselves. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you like do this to me, now I'm taking an objective point of view as well, because I'm watching this interaction play out, knowing that you're perceiving me to be something different than what I actually am. Mm -hmm. So it just like creates this instant, like dysphoric moment and, it's really like mind blowing. But for me, I've just, I'm kind of at a point now, maybe this is like the Gemini in me where I just want to play with it. Like I don't, it doesn't actually have any bearing on who I am. Um, and so yeah. why not well, just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at least I feel like it gives you another perspective. Cause again, I don't think there are so many ways that we show up that, we're not really aware of, um, well, we could be, but aware of like how we are received and how if we did this other thing, uh, we we would be received differently. So it's not saying like, uh, I'm going to do this other thing so I can be received because I think that's what, you know, most of us spend most of our lives trying to do. Like, okay, I'm going to wear the, the shortcut. I'm going to wear these clothes. I'm going to do this so I can be at least received a certain way or I can hide and and no one, you know, talks to me or whatever. I think as you get older and still understanding like these things exist, you can, you know, figure out kind of what works for you too. Because like, what if, mm-hmm. I don't know, it could be, I don't know what the conversation with yourself or you know anyone will be having where it's like, what if I like to actually dress like this, but I hate the way that I am treated yeah. because it's not really true of maybe how my identity is. So maybe I need to switch it up where I, you know, I dress how I dress and all my nails are painted or some shit like that. I don't know. But I think those yeah. things help you figure out for yourself what kind of kind of works as far as how you want to express yourself. Because that's really what all these things are. It's just like, I want to do this thing, but people are tying it to, you know, uh, gender roles and stuff like that, which is completely dumb. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I support it. I support it. Um, I have like kind of a random (laughs) thing that I wanted to talk about before we we get off. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was thinking about just children in general and, and being in high school and how I didn't really explore all of who I was. And I think, I don't know what it would look like, but I think it would just be cool regarding black masculinity and femininity. Like we encouraged men to do extra things (laughs) and understand like it doesn't mean anything. So for example, for instance, you know, 
we just kind of going back to our original conversation at the very beginning, but you know, if your child decides to paint their nails, can we just leave it there and see where that goes <laughs> and teach them, mm. you know, this is something you like to do. So fine. I support you. I'm your parent. Like that act has nothing to do with gender roles or sexuality, any of those things. And teaching people that that is the case. Like it doesn't mean that. So if you're, you know, you go into adolescence and all these things. Also, if you feel like exploring things with the same sex or whatever, those things don't, to me, <laughs> I may be pushing it, but those things don't mean to me that you are anything besides just a human. You know, there there are women who could have, you know, same sex interactions. That doesn't necessarily mean that she's a lesbian or she would turn out to be a lesson. I don't think those things mean that. I, I, I think it would be so cool to normalize trying things and at least just being safe outside of it all. But I think when there is shame on exploring and doing these other things, then kissing a boy at any point in your life, if you're considered a straight man, somehow becomes like this stain that you don't want. And then that's where shaming other people and Honestly, you're getting into dangerous territories when we're talking about killing other, you know, uh, people. You know, we have a large number of trans women who, black trans women who are being killed. But Mm -hmm. if there was an understanding like, oh, it's okay to do this thing and it doesn't mean this other thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like we will be in a much healthier space. Um, But I think that is the probably the more damning thing of black masculinity masculinity is that it's so fucking rigid. Like you can't do anything. I saw a post where they were talking about um, uh, some, some woman, she said like, so why are, why are black men having birthday dinners or something like that? Why is that considered girl? Like it's your birth, but it was a whole thing. Like if you read the comments and everything, there was a lot of debate and conversation around it, even though it mm. seems so stupid. Like it's my birthday. I want to have food with the people that I love, you know, but when a wow. black man has to go through all those thoughts just to exist, it, yeah. it becomes something really, really negative for themselves. So oftentimes yeah. they oppress things and don't realize things until way later, or yeah. they act out and, and cause harm on other groups of people who may not fit whatever that tight ass stereotype <laughs> looks like. And I don't think that, I know that that's not fair. So, you know, it's not yeah. saying there's anything wrong with masculinity, but when it gets to the point where, you know, there are these um judgments that can lead to someone losing their lives or really not walking in their truth, those things need to be reevaluated. So it's nothing I don't think we can do outside of teaching the children when they're children, what these things mean. They actually don't mean anything, you know, and taking it from there. Like, you know, if we're talking about the Tweety Bird thing, uh, you could have liked Tweety Bird and not be considered queer. That could have been a possibility. But then when you take this thing away, you're saying you're having a conversation with a child without having the actual conversation with the child 
I hope more parents are starting to tear apart gender um, assignment to every action and everything because it's just fucking damning <laughs> at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, yeah. This is actually one of the reasons why I've had to... It, everything just comes back to moonlight. <laughs> you, know, uh, moonlight. <laughs> you know that we couldn't have a conversation about right. bringing up moonlight. <laughs> um, because, you know, one of the things that I think is so incredible about that film is that it is depicting a cycle of trauma that affects Black boys at all levels, from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Right. From each role in the interaction, mm-hmm. whether it is the victim and survivor of abuse or whether it is the actual perpetrator of abuse, the school bully. Yeah. Right. And I actually tell folks that there is a deep reason why this film resonates with so many black boys. And it has actually nothing to do with sexuality. But that's not the reason. Yeah. It has to do with the policing of our genders from early ages that then confine us into prisons and how we then enact that violence on each other and on ourselves. So then in these moments where we do, right, have intimacies with one another that break through the kind of sexual boundary, um, like, but intimacies where we can actually see each other for who we are, we can actually hold each other. It feels like it, it, it feels it's so healing. And it goes into healing your inner child, right? And I think that's something that all Black um, masculine people have experienced. Um, And so it actually gives me a level of compassion, to be honest, because I can recognize that in a lot of the ways that I may have had certain aspects of my expression hindered or inhibited, um, that actually came from a desire for the men and women in my family to protect me. Mm. And there is this idea of safety and protection and preparation for the world that goes into Black fatherhood and Black motherhood, Black parenthood, I should say. Um, This concept that if you don't learn this here, you'll learn it there, right? Where you won't have a cushion to fall on, right? Mm -hmm. And it's why we do experience so much kind of and so in many, it, sometimes it does rise to the level of abuse in the, in our homes. Yeah. But it comes out of, 
you know, a desire to protect in a generational kind of type of protection that's ultimately seated in fear, right? I can't blame my parents for what they did because I know that they did what they knew to do. They didn't actually know better. Mm -hmm. And because I also know that their genders were policed as well. Yeah. And that they're also prisoners of the same thing that they've brought me into. And so it 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 definitely has allowed me to exist from a place where I'm not kind of victimizing myself mm-hmm. as the, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I just I, I look at this as a complex web of things where black people have wanted to and tried to teach and pass on the things that we know and sometimes those things that we know yeah are it, are actually tra- are actually trauma responses yeah. exactly exactly i was going to say like even in listening to that because i feel the same way that's why i don't have any i can't have any you know ill ill thoughts towards my parents because uh, I know that they were doing the best that they could. And the more I see them as human, I'm like, I get it. Like, you don't have to explain to me what you were trying to do or how you mm-hmm. navigated those things. That doesn't mean I, I'm not affected by those things, but I I understand, you know? Um, but mm-hmm. I think those things also just starts to change just what the household can be for people you know when you're thinking about and this is not every white person obviously um but for let's see white people as far as those who have made it and those who um are living the american dream so to speak Mm -hmm. they are allowed for the most part or at least what I've, i've seen to to fail to be who they are, mm-hmm. to have misunderstandings, to have conflict, um, to express themselves how they need to. And it doesn't mean like there's not pushback or anything like that, but typically out of what the house is for them, at least those things exist in the house. You know, like, all right, I'm going to be myself here. Or, at least y'all know, or at least, you know, and again, not saying these mm-hmm. things are exclusive to white people, but I know in a lot of black families, there is no freedom to be whoever you are, you know? So a lot Mm -hmm. of times people are hiding who they are within the household because we may have parents or whoever who is, you know, helping uh, raise us, telling us that this thing is wrong and this thing is wrong. You can't do that. And you have to, you know, this is how you show up. This is how you are, you should be presentable, um, so it's still that sense of, you know, if you don't hear it here, you're going to hear it there. That part is very mm-hmm. real. But outside of that, it's like, well, where is the safe space that I have to be the real version of myself? Mm-hmm. So you're telling me to do these things. I can do it. But w- when does the real me show up? And, you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. we don't have those answers within our household. So I feel like there is more liberation that's happening now because a lot of us are having conversations with our parents and you know it's kind of cool because i feel like our parents at least my parents and 
parents that I know of um, in the Black community seem to be a more receptive. Not like they, I fully embrace this this thing I don't understand, but it's like, okay, I kind of hear you. I still believe my thing, but I kind of hear you. And I think that's that's a, a step forward for uh, future generations, at least to have an understanding. Mm. And I hope, again, going back to being a parent in general, that parents coming up now who are raising young kids that they're able to to learn from their experience whether they're you know you don't have to be queer to have an awakening you know so you know hopefully they're able to maybe even more so for those straight black men you know how do we get more straight black men uh to be allies you know instead of straight you know, black women and, you know, how, how do we do that? But a lot of that is around their ideas of what these things mean and how they were raised and, you know, the taboo against anything that comes against what black masculinity is. So yeah, that was a lot. I know, but. No, uh, I love that. (laughs) And I love that you're, (laughs) I love that. I love that in the midst of all of this, that we still have this capacity to dream and imagine futures, you know, for our descendants, essentially, that Mm -hmm. aren't tied to these curses. And, like, I've seen in the past couple of years, I've met a couple of folks who are products, queer, um, I want to say queer, non-binary, or genderqueer, however they identify different ways, um, but, you know, who grew up in households that were open and accepting with the understanding that love is love, mm-hmm. with the understanding that how you show up is how you show up, right? Mm-hmm. And just with an openness. And I've seen how magical uh, mm-hmm. those people are and how magical the worlds around them, they're, like the worlds they're able to build are the communities that they're able to build are yes and so i think you're right that we have to change the narrative and the framing of this thing that happens in our families from this fear-based model um and i love that you know that you're saying like i'm not afraid to try this thing out right like we can do this differently we really can um i think that's beautiful and it just gives me a lot of joy thinking about possibilities for black kids. You know what I'm saying? Uh, today and black kids who are the children of Gen Zers um, as well. Cause I think sometimes it can get and feel heavy or dreary thinking about these sorts of like, you know, generational kinds of like curses, but that stuff, a lot of it is changing. We are, we I are, so. we, it, it really, really is. And actually so. just faster and faster. So, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for that. For sure. That. Yeah. So, so we're coming, for me, we're, that's the end of our overthought, you know, conversation. But do you mm-hmm. have any, like, um, parting words or ending words or summaries, you know, you want to share with the people on the topic? You don't have to, right? And let niggas be niggas, and you know, let's just let's just be out here and do what we do, 
<laughs> it's always like super like simple like that's it is just what it comes down it to. it can all be so simple <laughs> oh okay vibrato right you know I'm just being stupid. But <laughs> so thank you for having that conversation. Now, you know, this month is Pride Month. And uh, I wanted to ask everyone who comes on the show a, you know, Pride queer related question. So my question for you is just who has been a role model for you as a queer individual? Mm. I love this question. <laughs> I love this question. Um, so for real, for real, for really real. For really, uh, really. My uncle. My uncle. Uncle. My uncle, Roderick Moore. Um, rest his soul. He passed in 2014. Um, one of the most loving and beautiful souls I have ever encountered in my life. And, you know, he was a, I want to say a history teacher. Don't get me to lie, child. But I'm pretty sure he taught history. <laughs> it's your uncle. We school. don't know. I know, right? <laughs> but this was like a world that was so separate for me because I just knew him as my uncle, you know? Yeah. And so now I'm learning more about his life outside of the family. And a part of what I'm learning is that he, so he never had kids. Um he had a lifelong partner though richard um and my uncle spent a lot of his life you know, he grew up in pensacola and he uh taught at sale high school in a high school in in in, in uh uh tallahassee but he did spend a good portion of his life in atlanta and so what uh, my uncle rod and richard essentially built around them was a community and a family of folks who would come to look up to them as their fathers, um, as their, 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 they wouldn't say queer, you know, during the time that uh, they were here, they would, they would always say gen same gender loving, you know, mm. for same gender loving men. Right. Spell it um, out. And, and so, <laughs> right, right. Right. Every syllable. Right. Um, and, they created such a um i always think that it's like that's such a beautiful thing to kind of witness folks making their own families especially those who like desire to not necessarily procreate but who want to leave legacy mm -hmm. um and so after he passed actually in 2014 and at this time i didn't know that Richard was his like life partner. Richard passed a few years earlier, but I thought I was the only one in the family who was queer. My whole life on both sides. Like I'm just like, this is, I'm isolated. It's just me. Ain't nobody like me. Nobody will understand. My family won't get it, blah, blah, blah. And I had met Richard and I really thought that that was just like the homie, but I was a child and I wasn't able to pick up on the cues. <laughs> right. But, one of the things that I learned after his passing was about these kind of children that he had raised. These are grown folks, I mean, but mm -hmm. like who looked up to them as fathers um, wow. and who called them like Oba, right? Which means king. Um, mm -hmm. And 
meeting them, meeting them at the funeral and having them tell me the stories of my uncle and the stories of Richard and how they, who, who they were outside of the family context, right? The sorts of wisdoms that they would impart, how they literally fathered these folks for 20, 30 years. Like we were talking, yeah. met like these folks in their 20s in like Atlanta and like very much fathered them. And, you know, here we are almost 30 years later. Wow. And, you know, and so basically, yeah, after he passed, um, you know, he he imparted those those sons of his to me as uncles. And there was just an instant love and connection. And suddenly what he was to them was what they became to me. And so, so, yeah, so many of the things that, that are most dear to me in my life come back from the gifts that those particular ancestors left me and continue to leave me and continue to leave breadcrumbs for me to find um, in my relationships, in my everyday life. Um, so I am grateful to know that I have queer ancestors that are kind of guiding my steps. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for asking that because I'd be so hyped to talk about my Uncle Charles. Yes. My uncle <laughs> is my screensaver. I know. Literally I know. has been my screensaver for like seven years. That's crazy. I must say years for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yo, it's yeah. so funny with like, you know, my the the reason I'm bringing it up, not like to be like my family, but like my no, my grand really? my grandfather and my grandmother, my um my screensaver too and it's something about mm. i think that ancestor thing too because i'm like well what am i ever going to replace them with that's better than this you know what i mean so i yeah. feel like it's always a constant you know as you're moving about your day seeing them in the background like it sounds so like this is not really yeah. a big thing but it's like it actually matters because it keeps them in in the forefront and like you randomly have thoughts about you know that family member so shout out to uncle what's his name again yes uncle roderick moore roderick uncle roderick we love you we love you yes so all right so we're coming to the end of the show um tell the people how they can find you if you want them to find you (laughs) uh don't try to find me right you don't need to find me that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you encounter me if it's meant to be. I, I actually, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know how long it's gonna last, but I deactivated my Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really proud of myself for that. I deactivated my Facebook. I reactivated mm-hmm. it, but I'm gonna deactivate it again. Um, and I'm still on Instagram for now. So that is one way that folks can find me. It's at uh, Rashad Momar. Um, R A I S H A D. M-O-M-A-R. Some of my film stuff is up there. I'm kind of using it as like a portfolio, but that is one way that folks can con- can connect with me there. Gotcha. Yeah, you can be like just on a website at some point. You just got to, or email. You can email Child. me, y'all. <laughs> if Listen. I get through it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Look, that's what I said. Whatever you want them to know is cool. 
So for our last segment, we have Team Who and uh, your scenario for today where you have to make a decision is your, let me figure out an age. You are eight years old. I feel like that's when you're like, you're trying to get grown and your, your mom is driving and she's like, look, I'm not cooking today. We're going to, you know, you're getting burger and fries or you, we're mm-hmm. going to, you know, a spot. Um, that's fast food. Mm-hmm. So, out of these two choices, are you team McDonald's or team Burger King? Ooh, Burger King. Really? Eight-year-old me, though. We're talking eight-year-old okay, okay, me. Okay. So, we're talking like the 90s. We're talking like 99, you know? We're okay. talking like 2000. All right. So, I feel like that's when Burger King... I'm sorry, I can defend it, but I don't need to okay. do that. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that point. We'll get to it. Cool. Well... It's been fun, Rashad. We have to go. This is, you know, just for the record, this is my longest show so far. Um, but it, it's a lot of good stuff in here. So thank you for, you know, taking the time to come on the show and talk to me. Uh, it was amazing. I'm going to listen back and be like, oh, wow. Because, you know, sometimes you're know. in the moment and I'm you don't so even know excited. what you're saying. So right. I'm excited <laughs> for that. Um, so, yeah. And for all you out there, Thank please. You so much. Oh, no problem. No problem. I, yeah, I really appreciate you inviting me on this thing, Jad. And shout out to you because you had this whole idea in your head. You had, you know, the desire to make a podcast for a couple of years. And yeah. what I love about you is that you are somebody who follows through, like you have a million ideas, you're hella creative and you actually do them. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that we're on this now is like such a beautiful thing. Cause I know it's been a while in the making. So yeah, thank you so yeah. much for the invitation. This is like my only, my first, and this is my first podcast. Oh, so, Hey, yeah. I'm glad to be that. Hey. <laughs> it all started with the overthinker. All right. Yes, cool. So, yeah, thanks again for coming. For all you out there, please remember to subscribe to The Great Overthinker on Apple and Spotify Podcast. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram at The Great Overthinker. If you have any listener questions or would like to inquire about being a guest on the show, please visit our website, thegreatoverthinker.com. Also, um, stick around. Well, not stick around, but visit the website for a Team Who bonus clip where you can hear Rashad explain why they chose Team Burger King. Because I have little, you know, problems with that. Maybe you gonna fight me? You gonna fight me? I'm not gonna fight you, but you know, we're gonna have some words. But um, yeah, head over to thegreatoverthinker.com to listen to that bonus clip. That's all we have for today. Thank you. Thank you, Rashad. Thank you all. Until next time. Bye. Bye, baby.